This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And welcome to this little special edition of the show where I got a brief conversation with one of the best music supervisors in the industry, Ian Cook. This ahead of Apple TV's massive documentary, 1971, The Year That Music Changed Everything, that's premiering this week. 1971 is exec produced by Asif Kapadia and James Gay Reese, who are very well known for the documentary Amy. 1971 examines the inordinate amount of masterpieces that came out musically that year, from Marvin Gaye's What's Going On to the Rolling Stones to Aretha Franklin, all this against the social and polarizing political backdrop of 1971. Ian Cook is an award-winning music supervisor for film and TV. Recently, he worked on the great BBC series It's a Sin, the four-part drama written by Russell T. Davis. Here is A Taste of 1971, the year that music changed everything. I could see this new revolution coming. It was an anticipation of the idea that everything would go wrong, but that music would prevail. 1971, I don't think the music was a reflection of the times as much as the music also caused the times. It was an incredibly tumultuous year. Politically, socially, musically. I think the music reflects the state of the society's in. All these bands were making music referring to protests and the Vietnam War. That was our language. I would like to say something that hasn't been said so much, you know. 1971 was a year of revolutionary consciousness. We were fueled by this amazing music that everyone was making. It was articulating everything you're seeing and feeling. You know, we have survived everything that's gone down and come out stronger. I think this is my cross to bear. I'm a messenger. We thought that music could change the world. I don't think you'll really, really have a new thing until you've got a new music. The peace and flowers love thing was over. I wasn't a soldier. I was a musician. How can I use my music to help change things? I don't think you'll ever see a creative burst like that musically ever again. These were not just players. They were cultural icons. We have come through something. And if we can get this far, we can get further. They took this on, and things changed. The music was not a soundtrack. It was much more than that. Hi, Christina. Nice to meet you. 
Thank you. Between It's a Sin and your work here, you've got me through the pandemic musically. So thank you so oh. much for joining me. Um, <laughs> That's nice to hear, yeah. I have a few questions in a short time here. Thank you so much for your work on this series. It's very impactful. Of course, the politics of 1971 certainly shaped music. Could you give some examples of how music shaped politics that year? Yeah, sure. I mean, you're right. It, it's, it's hugely shaped uh, by politics. I mean, I think one of the most prominent examples is Marvin Gaye, who really was, was upset about his, his brother being in, in Vietnam. And so he instructed the, the Marvelous album that is what's going on. Lyrics such as, there's too many of you dying, war is not the answer, only love can, can conquer hate. I think that's a, a good example of an artist and songwriter really standing up for what they believe in and, and um, writing lyrics that, that betray that. Um, likewise, John Lennon's Imagine album was incredi an incredibly political piece. Songs like, I don't want to be a soldier, mama, I don't want to die. You know, I, I think that, that, that says uh, a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mar Marvin Gaye as well with uh, Inner City Blues when he talks about trigger-happy policing, the, the, the fact that panic is spreading and God right. knows where we're heading. They're two, two examples, definitely, of, of, of political pieces. Now, as a music supervisor, I've, I've talked to a few, um, like Mary Ramis from Quentin Tarantino. I know you guys go through some rabbit holes in your detective work that you do. What was the most interesting or mind-blowing for you in this series? I mean, this this whole series was, was mind-blowing. I'm a huge Mary Ramos fan, by the way. She's, she's, she's lovely. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, and obviously Quentin's soundtracks are, uh, are one on their own. They're, they're outstanding. Um, yeah, I mean, I found out about this project six years ago. Uh, we were actually over in, in Cannes for the Amy um, premiere and uh, producer James Gay Reese told me that he was just about to option a, um, a manuscript and, and the book was, was all about the music of, of 1971. So I actually read the, the, the manuscript around um, six years ago and it, it was incredible. I mean, the, the challenges of the level of artists involved and songwriters was was pretty unparalleled. I mean, I'd, I'd go as far to say that this is um, arguably the, the biggest music documentary series of all time. I think we've got uh, 150 songs across the eight episodes from uh, 58 different artists, 108 different songwriters. And when you consider that the, the level of artists are the Rolling Stones, John Lennon, Mar Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Joni Mitchell, Carol King, uh, Elton John, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, George Harrison, um, Tina Turner, The Who, T-Rex, Bob Marley, James Brown, Gil Scott-Heron, Curtis Mayfield, The Stooges, Miles Davis, uh, Black Sabbath, Bill Withers, Pink Floyd. I mean, it, it is bonkers. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I've had many, many sleepless nights over the last last few years. And I, I think I still kind of wake up going, oh, <laughs> who was the most that you know gave you the most sleepless nights i mean i think i think we were really fortunate that because we were trying to tell the definitive story of of 1971 and the music from that year that that actually most people were really receptive um to being involved in the project i mean we, we had some very early conversations particularly with the, the you know the, the the key or the higher profile 
art um, songwriters. I mean, don't get me wrong, every single one of those is is high profile. But when you when you're looking to to do a project that that really um, includes the likes of the Rolling Stones, John Lennon, Marvin Gaye, Slime, Family Stone, you you don't want to go too far down the edit process without knowing or, or having some comfort that, that they're going to be happy to be involved in the series. So, I mean, you know, it, it was it was a crazy project, uh, but incredibly rewarding. And, and hopefully what you see on screen is testament to the, the amazing production team that, that made this. I mean, they were in, they were in the edit for, for over two years, just incredibly talented edit team and, and the archive producers and obviously James Gay Reese and Asif Kabadia, two of the, the best single best filmmakers in this area in the world, and and uh, you know I think this, you can see how much love and attention has gone into the project. One of the things they talk about in the series a lot about 1971 is what a polarizing time it was, of course, for politics, for youth culture between youth and old. Um, We've certainly lived through some polarizing times now these past few years politically. What yeah. examples do you see today of music impacting politics, or do you? I think that's a really good question. I think that's the thing when you when you that's one of the key takeaways really when you see the music of that era when the Kent State massacre happens and Neil Young picks up uh, picks up a guitar and, and and writes about it when Bob Dylan's singing songs about George uh, George Jackson. You know, same thing with, with uh, John Lennon supporting the Oz trials. And there seems to be they were more readily there to support some of these causes. And I, I think the point that you make is, is incredibly astute, which is, again, watching it, you're really, certainly I feel that you're watching something that, that happened 50 years ago. And one of the, the strangest things is that it's like everything's different, but actually nothing's different. Uh, you know, we all we all walk around with a a small TV computer in our hands, uh, but even that's covered. When 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 you talk about some of the the parallels between Pete Tal- Pete Townsend's sc- uh, script that he wrote, The Grid, and you you apply that to today, it's uncanny. And it, and he couldn't get that made at the time. I think it, a lot of the producers just didn't get it but yeah you're right I, th- I think there's there's the, the times certainly at the moment um attesting times and and i think somebody says i think it might be annie nightingale says within the series that rock stars were the most influential people and i think that holds true today which is they they've got a voice and they have the air of particularly young people who are finding who would way. you say is influential today in, in these terms it's a really good question. Maybe I mean it's 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 tough because I think in in some ways in 1971 they were so outspoken, but then you also you hear how many people in the documentary talk about having phone clicks, and when the the FBI's mandate is openly revealed to to be targeting some of these people, and I think um, you know may, maybe in this era they were more ready to to be outspoken and really champion the cause comparatively and that's not to say that there's there's not great artists singing about issues like the the, the album and know georgia smith's got 
you know, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful track, but it's a protest track about police brutality in, in particular. And I think that that's amazing when, when people are using their public profile and, and their songwriting skills to highlight issues. Yeah. They want me to wrap up. Thank you so much for your work and your time. Oh, thank you. It's really nice to meet you, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Ian Cook. The Apple TV Plus documentary 1971, The Year That Music Changed Everything, premieres on Friday, May 21st. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcast. Pop Culture Confidential is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. See you next time. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.